I am Namul Kothari, International Business Development Manager from Zilmax Innovations Private Limited. Today, we are gathered here to deal into an utmost importance topic, the use of bipolar hemiarthroplasty in intertrochanteric fracture neck femur. We are excited to have each one of you join us as we embark on this informative journey together. But before that, we would, we would like to inform more about our company. Zilmax Innovations Private Limited founded in 2006. We have proudly established ourselves as a leading manufacturer of orthopedic implants in India. Our journey has been driven by a team of dedicated, highly specialized orthopedic professionals, doctors, and engineers, all working tirelessly to restore the lost mobility. But our vision doesn't stop at Indian borders. We believe that good healthcare should know no boundaries. That's why we have expanded our reach to more than 30, 70 countries worldwide and have become renowned orthopedic implants exporter in India. Quality is our promise and we don't compromise on it. Each creation at Zilmax undergoes rigorous training and testings and meet the highest standards ensuring that you get exceptional and unbelievable results. Results that bring back the joy of pain-free life. Let's watch this small video so that you get a better zest about our company. So as you can see in the video that we are delivering to more than 70 plus countries and what are the procedures that we are following. So I hope this video was insightful as there was something for everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now our privilege to introduce to our esteemed panel expert, Mr. Rutul Gandhi, renowned orthopedic surgeon with exceptional expertise in joint and revision joint replacement surgery. Mr. Rutul Gandhi's academic achievements and professional accolades speaks volume about his dedication to the field of orthopedics. He holds an MS Ortho, a testament to his academics, excellence and commitment to honoring his surgical skills. Mr. Gandhi's further enhanced his knowledge and skills by attaining prestigious international fellowship. He is a proud FAOS, having completed a fellowship in orthopedics in South Korea and France. Notably, Mr. Gandhi is also a because a recognition of his fellowship in orthopedics from Italy and Germany. This diverse exposures to multiple healthcare system and surgical approaches has undoubtedly shaped his approach to patient care, bringing a holistic and international perspective to his practice. Moreover, he has achieved the designation of FIMAS, signifying his fellowship in orthopedic from Greece. This rich international experience has undoubtedly contributed to his extensive knowledge of different surgical techniques and treatments modalities. He is a passionate about sharing his knowledge with the medical community and contributing to the betterment of the patient cares. Today, we are honored to have Mr. Rutul as the key member of our panel. His expertise and dedication are sure to enrich our discussion for the use of bipolar hemiarthroplasty in the intertrochanteric fracture femur nail. 
let us warmly welcome mr gandhi and prepare ourselves to lean from his vast reservoirs of knowledge and experiences so mr gandhi yeah thank you naman thank you for this great introduction and i also thank zilmex ortho for inviting me to this webinar uh it is my pleasure to share my knowledge and share some insights regarding the use of hemi arthroplasty in fracture intertrochanteric neck femurs now uh before like wasting any time let us dwell into this topic and let us start our discussion related to management of unstable intertrochanteric fractures with the help of hemi arthroplasty as we all know this fracture is an extra capsular fracture that means the capsule is still attached to the neck and head part of the fracture and this is a very important point because that will be a key step in uh, managing this type of a fracture by the use of hemi arthroplasty it occurs in the region between the greater and the lesser trochanter of the femur and it often extends to the subtrochanteric region and it is part of the per trochanteric fracture which happens in and around the greater and the lesser trochanter if we talk about the epidemiology this is one of a very common fracture which happens in older age group and with a minimal or a low intensity fall as well and so this i i i hope that everyone would of you would have seen this kind of fracture in and out in your daily practice but still this been a very common fracture we have yet yet not found a very good surgical uh, knowledge or a good surgical management for this kind of fractures and that's why there are multitude of implants and multitude of uh, management uh, for this kind of fracture the incidence is common in older age group between 60 to 80 years of age because it is a osteoporosis osteoporosis related fracture and it is more common in the female population because of the post menopausal metabolism changes in bone and osteoporosis which is more common in this kind of patients other factors which are associated with the it fractures are advancing age bedridden states like parkinson's disease other increased number of comorbidities and osteoporosis as we had already discussed now understanding the pathology and anatomy of the fracture is very important because that will help us to manage this fracture in a better way so in this kind of a fracture the distal fragment would ride up and would it would overlap on the proximal fragment and the femoral neck shaft angle is reduced the deforming muscle forces produce shortening external rotation and varus position of the limb if we look at the uh, muscles acting on the uh, proximal part of the femur and in this kind of fractures we would understand that the abductors would try to displace the greater trochanter laterally and proximally while the iliopsoas would displace the lesser trochanter medially and proximally and the hip flexors extensors and adductors would pull the distal fragment proximally that's how the fracture would go into a displaced pattern and it is very difficult to get it into a reduced position and keep it into a reduced position fracture stability is determined by the presence of the posteromedial bony contact which acts as a buttress against the fracture collapse and so it is very important to have this posteromedial connect while we are reducing and fixing the fractures if we look into the classification of this kind of fractures there are multitude of fracture classifications are there but still we follow the evans classification as well as the ota classification 
because that's how we'll be able to manage these fractures in a better way. So Evans classifies these fractures into six types, type 1 to 5 and a reverse optic pattern. In type 1 and 2, it is a two fragment fracture only, but it is displaced uh, in the type 2 while it is undisplaced in type 1. Type 3 and 4 are three fragment fractures and type 4 is a uh, four fragment, sorry, type 5 is a four fragment fracture. So type 3, 4 and 5 are the unstable varieties of the fracture and which requires multitude of management patterns or multitude of management uh, modalities. If we look into the AO classification, AO has classified this fracture into A1, A2 and A3 types. And all these are again classified into subtypes of 1, 2, and 3. So, if we look at the stability, from the stability point of view, four types are stable fractures, while five types are unstable fractures. And this is, and it is this unstable fractures which requires a modality which helps to stabilize the fracture, give patient a better mobility and a better outcome that is important in this kind of fractures. So again, the unstable intertrochanteric fractures are the fractures which collapses despite the axial reduction with the help of medullary or the extramedullary implants. So the unstable fractures are the comminuted fracture of the posterior medial portion, reverse oblique fractures, transverse fractures, or a fracture with a large posterior medial fragment or a subtrochanteric extension. If this type of fractures are not, not managed properly, then this would increase the morbidity and mortality of the patients. And as multitude of scientific papers have suggested that one in five or 20% 20 20 of the patients, they uh, die or they have a mortality rate of 20% within one year of this fracture management. So it is our main aim to give mobility and early, uh, uh, earlier bedridden status needs to be taken out from the patient. So that they can walk around and give uh, mobility, so that we can give mobility to these patients. As the as Zilmex Ortho also believes in mobility of the patient, so we have used this uh, webinar to understand how to treat this unstable type of fractures with the help of hemiarthroplasty. So this hemiarthroplasty is indicated in failed internal fixation. The candidates which are unsuitable for repeat internal fixations. A calcar replacement hemiarthroplasty is also needed because if we look at the implant, that is this shoulder which is important to rest on the lesser trochanter. If the lesser trochanter is damaged in this type of fracture, which is commonly is, then we need to use a calcar replacing uh, hemiarthroplasty. And primary prosthetic replacement in communicated unstable intertrochanter fractures has yielded up to 94% of good functional results. And so it is very important that we all understand when to use and most importantly, how to use this kind of surgery to give a better mobility to these patients. So now we'll look at the video uh, where we will discuss how to manage this kind of fractures and what are the tips that we need to, to see uh, during this kind of surgical management. So there are certain steps which are different from the routine uh, hemiarthroplasty which we do for the neck femur. So if you look into this fracture, because the lesser trochanteric support or the proximal uh, femoral support is not there, the, uh, the fixation of the implant is not very good 
the normal implant is not very good in this kind of fractures and this implant might go into retroversion or it can also go uh, distally and not give proper pro uh, stability if you look at the um, if you look at the procedure so instead of the routine uh, approach where we remove the external rotators or we cut the external rotators in this type of fracture what we do is we go through the fracture fragments that's how we are not damaging the muscle either anteriorly or posteriorly and that's how we'll be getting more stability and we will reduce the chances of dislocation while managing this kind of fractures with the help of hemiarthroplasty so as you see this is what we use to fix the proximal portion and take it out so now if we look at the video what i'm trying to do is trying to feel the fracture line and trying to open the fracture and that's how trying to remove the head and the neck portion of this kind of a fracture now you can see that i have put the retractors uh, so that we can retrace or we can retract the two fragments of the greater trochanter and now i am trying to lever out the proximal head and neck part again with the help of this instrument what i am doing is i am fixing it into the head and the neck and i am using it to lever it all around and doing radial capsulotomy because as we all know the capsule is still attached to the proximal part so what we'll do is we'll try to cut the capsule from all the different sides and we'll try to take out the head and the neck portion as you can see now the head and the neck are levered out now after dislocating what we'll do is we'll again put it into the place and we'll try to measure the horizontal and the vertical offset this is very important because we need to again recreate the horizontal and the vertical offset so that what happens is the muscle tends to come into the normal places and we we reduce the chances of dislocation so here in this video in this steps i am trying to measure the vertical and the horizontal offset as well as i am marking some fixed points through which i will again after putting the implant i will again measure whether i have recreated the horizontal and the vertical offset or not so this step is very important to reduce the chances of dislocation once the fracture is levered out what i'll do is the other steps are very uh, fairly common we reduce the we take out the uh, the bone on the proximal part we do entry and we prepare the femur uh, the common type of implant which i use in this type of fractures is a distal loading implant it can be either cemented or uncemented depending on the anatomy of the uh, the distal femur and if what kind of implant will give a better fix so as i said in this video what i'm doing right now is again measuring whether the proximal and the vertical sorry the vertical and the horizontal offsets have been recreated or not and after once i have confirmed this is a trial so once i have confirmed i'll put in the final implant and then i'll fix it after fixing it is again very important to put all the fracture fragments back to recreate the greater trochanter and to give that good adductor muscle sling so that it decreases the chances of dislocation so what i have done is i have put drill holes through the implant and through the uh, greater trochanter and now i am putting the wire and fixing it these steps are very important to get a better muscular uh, junction or the muscular sleeve again reproduced back on the proximal femoral part so it is very important to fix the proximal femur with the help of two wires 
put it in a encyclopedia of figure of eight, and after fixing, we need to we need to check whether all that are rotating as we can see in this video. Now all that all the fracture fragments are rotating as a single part, and not not and none of the part is moving independently of the other. There is also another part where what we do is we put a small piece of bone into the lesser trochanteric area and fill the canal with the cement and then put the implant. So in this, with this, with the help of this technique, we can also use the commonly uh, available short stem cemented implants. So what will happen is with the help of this bone fragment, it will again create recreate the lesser trochanter. And this this collar will will rest on this bone piece, and that's how we'll get more stability. So if you can look at the video, now I'm reducing the fracture after putting the implant, the bone piece, and the cement. And now again, it is very important to recreate the sleeve of the adductors and the greater trochanter over the fracture fragment. So again, we'll use the uh, wires. To fix the fracture fragments in a figure of eight, two wires at least are needed, and figure of eight and tightening of this uh, wires are needed. And once we are happy with the fixation, once we see that all the fragments are moving in collision again together with one another, then we close it in uh, layers, closing the tensor fascia lata, skin, and the subcutaneous tissue over it. So. Coming on to rehabilitation, it is important that we make the patient mobile with this kind of surgery on the first day or the second day itself, and that's that is very important advantage of this kind of this kind of management, and that's how we give mobility to the patients faster, and we take the patients out of the morbidity uh, which are associated with this type of fractures fractures when managed with intramedullary or extramedullary kind of implants. So again, I like to thank Zilmax Auto and Naman for inviting me to this very informative webinar. I would like to say again that Zilmax Auto is promoting mobility of the patients, and that's why we have taken this topic where we can give proper mobility and reduce the mortality and morbidity of the patients who are uh, suffering from unstable type of intertrochanteric fractures. So. Uh, so that was a very insightful session by Mr. Rutul Gandhi and uh, we would like to ask everyone that uh, you must, uh, you know, uh, get forward and ask more questions about this particular session so that it becomes a very interactive session. We welcome all the participants to ask questions, share their thoughts and engage in a fruitful discussions with our expert panel, including Mr. Rutul Gandhi. Uh, so, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to ask that questions. And uh, uh, the questions which we are receiving in chat box, we'll be taking some of the questions and we'll be discussing about it. Uh, so, I just received a question. Uh, so, I would like to recite the question first. So, Mr. Gandhi, someone has asked, what is the role of bipolar hemiarthroplasty in managing complications or failed treatment of intertrochanteric fractures? So, in my practice, what I have seen is that once the fracture fixation fails, 
it is very difficult to again recreate the uh, uh, the anatomy of the fracture or recreate the anatomy of the proximal femur with the use of intramedullary and extramedullary implants so if we want to give good mobility to the patients then i would like to manage this kind of patients with the help of bipolar hemiarthroplasty and as i said uh, depending on the fracture type and depending on the bone loss i would like to use an implant which is distal femur loading either cemented or cementless and then my third option would be to use a commonly used routine cemented bipolar uh, implant that's great that's great uh, so we have another question uh, how do you choose between cemented and uncemented bipolar hemi arthroplasty implants impact patient outcome in intertrochanteric fracture okay so uh, rather than the fracture pattern or the fracture uh, anatomy or classification what is important is to look at the proximal femoral part which is attached to the shaft so if it is peperoski type 1 and 2 which is like a v shape or a parallel type of a medullary canal then i would like to use an uncemented type of a distal loading implant but if it is not getting a good fit if the patient is very much osteoporotic or the type of femur is type 3 where the distal part of the femoral shaft is dilated compared to the proximal part then i would like to use a distal loading cemented stem but be aware that cement has its own complications and that can cause certain issues in the hospital or the setup needs to be ready to manage this kind of complications related to the cement so uh taking on another question from our chat box how does bipolar hemiarthroplasty differ from other surgical interventions intertrochanteric fractures okay so if it is a stable variety then i would again go for a intramedullary or extramedullary kind of implants because in that i am very much uh, confident that the stability of the proximal femur is not hampered and it will be it will stay as it is until the fracture is healed but if i am not very much sure or if i am not very much confident about the stability of the fracture then in that cases i would like to use a bipolar hemiarthroplasty and that's how i will be able to give mobility to my patients i'll be sleeping peacefully at night after operating the patient that i i'll be confident enough that the patient would be able to walk from the second day so that's how that's my take on up when to use what or how to manage stable compared to an unstable intertrochanteric fracture uh, i also believe that the medical uh, facilities has grown so much that uh, nowadays after every surgeries the patient can be uh, taken for a walk or they can yes. you know, start walking yes. after 5 yes. to 7 days so that is one of the biggest achievements that uh, medical industry has exactly gone into picture so what um, is important i again like to add a point that the patient who walks on the second or the third day yes. he feels more confident he or she feels more confident and he or she feels independence that yes. you know he and she can go to the toilet or the bathroom by herself they can go to the kitchen and drink a glass of water rather than depending on someone else to do this daily routine course yes that's that's really uh, insightful uh, I, i've seen my grandmom uh, has been through this uh, surgery right. Right. Uh, but it was very long back right so in that era it was very hard for them to even walk after a month or two exactly so exactly. that has been very painful and at the same time you were not able to do your daily routine exactly. exactly so that is very uh, that is something which has medically uh, evolved yes i think true, true and i i think that companies like zilmax also and all the other companies which are putting lot of research and lot of efforts into 
developing more and more newer implants yes and coming out with as you said your company is using robotics yes to give us precise implants and precise things like this instrument set which yes. we have so that has given us a lot of confidence of doing this kind of surgeries in this uh, type of lectures surely uh, we have another questions uh, coming up and i would like to take uh, some more questions is it possible to undergo arthroplasty on both hips simultaneously so if we are talking about this kind of a fracture then yes it is possible if we are talking of a normal arthroplasty in both the sides then yes we do it on a regular basis too but it is very uncommon to find a patient having a intertrochanteric fracture on both the sides together uh, because as we said this is a low intensity fracture or it it breaks the one side and not break the other side that is very that is very common but breaking both the neck femurs together it is very rare to see but if you are asking about doing arthroplasty together bilaterally simultaneous like a routine total hip replacement both the sides simultaneously that yes it is very much possible and we do it day in and day out so basically it means to say that we can change both the yes uh, hip all together oh that's that's great yeah. so so what are the there is another question i would like to take up uh, what are the indications and contrading contrading indications for using bipolar hemiarthroplasty in intertrochanteric fractures so if you can give a good stability with the help of intramedullary and extramedullary implants then there is no fun in taking out of the normal proximal femur or the normal femoral head yeah so that is one of the contraindication i would say is a stable type of fractures where the routine other implants can also give a good or equivalent results okay coming on to the contraindications uh, if the patient is medically unfit too much unfit because this is a major surgery compared to a intramedullary or extramedullary implant so this is kind of a major surgery so if the patient is very much unfit to undergo the surgery then it is better to use a less minimally invasive implants rather than this bipolar arthroplasty okay. and then all the other contraindications of total hip replacement stands true for bipolar arthroplasty also so if the patient is having infection somewhere if the patient is not fit for surgery or if the patient is having local bad skin conditions then i would not suggest to go for a bipolar arthroplasty in that kind of patient uh so there is another question uh do you use this kind of procedures from for femoral neck fractures too yes it's very common that is the first kind of fractures where this kind of implants were used and we have a large like as mankind or human uh, race yeah. we have a large series and studies available that uh, bipolar arthroplasty is the choice of treatment in older people having neck femur fractures but using bipolar arthroplasty in intertrochanteric fractures is relatively newer and still today uh, there are many countries or many centers which are not able to accept this kind of treatment modality because okay. they are not aware of it and they are not been trained to treat this kind of fractures but we have now multitude of scientific papers scientific uh, journal publications which suggest that giving mobility to the patient can help to decrease the mortality Uh, in this kind of yeah. in this type of patients agree agree totally agree uh, so i would like to take one last question and what do you say about the status of ectabulum and is 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 it visible to use for neglected it fractures too uh, so yes if if by after opening the fracture if you see that the acetabulum is damaged because the acetabulum is right in front of you if you have a slightest of the doubt that uh, you know the acetabulum is damaged and doing this arthroplasty would give then a pain of the acetabular erosions and acetabular uh, uh, 
uh, osteoarthritis so it is better to do a total hip replacement in this type of fractures but be aware that total hip replacements are more probable to have dislocations in this kind of fractures because the muscles are also damaged and whatever we do whatever how much good a refixation of the vertebra fracture fragments we do still the muscle damage is still there due to the soft tissue edema and soft tissue damage and this total hip replacements might dislocate or the dislocation rates is higher when total hip replacements are used in interlocutory neck fractures so that was a great session thank you mr rutul gandhi uh, i believe all the questions has been taken up which has been discussed in chat and uh, uh, that's how we are going to perform our webinars and uh, i would like to uh, you know finish or end this webinar on a greater note uh, ladies and gentlemen as we come to the end of the enlightening webinar we would like to express our heartfelt gratitude to all the participants our esteemed panel of experts and especially to mr rutul gandhi for sharing his invaluable insights as we conclude we encourage you to continue the dialogue beyond this webinar stay curious stay informed and keep exploring new ways to enhance patient care and well-being if you have any further queries or wish to access webinar content feel free to reach out to us we value your feedback and are committed to continuously improving our educational initiative thank you and see you all in the next one we are going to have our next webinar soon so stay connected and be happy bye bye take care